Hello. 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 Fancy seeing you here. Happy New Year, Adam. Happy New Year. Happy 2019. Ah, thanks for having me. So what's going on? Why are we... Why are they listening to our dulcet tones? Yeah, why is the theme tune not kicked in by now? What is going on? Well, actually, as you may well have guessed from the title of this episode, this is not one you were expecting. This is a special bonus episode. We thought we haven't had a proper big famous one for a while. Yeah. Let's just kick off the new year. Yeah, sneak one in there when you were not not expecting it. Let's get a sort of festive fairy tale, but just slightly miss Christmas. Yeah, (laughs) that was the idea. (laughs) Well, will, uh, will there be uh, anything else happening in this episode? Well, this isn't just any ordinary uh, ordinary special episode. This is an extra special special episode. This is an extra special special episode. At the end of the episode, if you keep listening, we are announcing a brand new competition with an actual physical prize. An actual physical prize that I could win and take home and keep forever. You're quite right, Matt. Brilliant. Well, keep talking. Well, don't. Save it don't till the end. Don't keep talking. Let's bring in the theme tune and let's get on with the episode. Let's do it. Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name's Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... Hansel and Gretel! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! Near a great forest dwelt a poor woodcutter with his wife and his two children. The boy was called Hansel and the girl Gretel. He had little to bite and to break, and when great scarcity fell on the land, he could no longer procure daily bread. When he thought over this at night in his bed, and tossed about in his anxiety, he groaned and said to his wife, Oh, what is to become of us? How are we to feed our poor children when we no longer have anything even for ourselves? I'll tell you what, husband, answered the woman. (laughs) Listen here. (laughs) This is what we're going to do. Early tomorrow morning, we will take the children out into the forest where it is thickest. There we will light a fire for them and give each of them one piece of bread, and then we will go to our work and leave them alone. They will not find the way home again, and we shall be rid of them. No, wife, said the man. I will not do that. How can I bear to leave my children alone in the forest? The wild animals would soon come and tear them to pieces. Oh, you fool! Said she. Blimey. Then we all four must die of hunger. You may as well plane the planks for our coffins. And she left him no peace until he consented. But I feel very sorry for the poor children all the same, said the man. Oh, that's all right then. That's all right then. (laughs) It's a thought that counts. So, situation, not looking good. Great, great famine over the land. Yeah, I mean, that's a bad situation right there. So they're going to ditch the kids in the deep dark woods? But he feels bad, so... So it's fine. So it's all right. The two children had also not been able to sleep for hunger and had heard what their stepmother had said to their father. Oh, oh. Gretel wept bitter tears and said to Hansel, Now all is over for us. Hush, Gretel, said Hansel. Do not distress yourself. I will soon find a way to help us. And when the old folks had fallen asleep, he got up, put on his little coat, opened the door below and crept outside. The moon shone brightly and the white pebbles which lay in front of the house glittered like real silver pennies. Hansel stooped and put as many of them in the little pocket of his little coat as he could possibly get in. Everything about him is just little. He's a little boy. (laughs) He's a little man. Then he went back and said to Gretel, Be comforted, dear little sister, and sleep in peace. God will not forsake us. And he lay down again in his bed. 
When day dawned, but before the sun had risen, the woman came and awoke the two children, saying, Get up, you sluggards! We are going into the forest to fetch wood! She gave each a little piece of bread and said, There is something for your dinner, but do not eat it up before then, for you will get nothing else. Gretel took the bread under her apron, as Hansel had the stones in his pocket. So she's looking after Hansel's bread as well, because he's weighed down. Okay, they're a team. That's nice. Then they all set out together on the way to the forest. When they had walked a short time, Hansel stood still and peeped back at the house, and did so again and again. His father said, Hansel, what are you looking at there, and staying behind for? Mind yourself, and do not forget how to use your legs. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten. How do I do this again? Oh, father, said Hansel, I'm looking at my little white cat, which is sitting up on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me. The wife said, Fool! That is not your little cat. That is the morning sun which is shining on the chimneys. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. We've all been there. Hansel, however, had not been looking back at the cat. Oh, sneaky. But had been constantly throwing one of the white pebble stones out of his pocket on the road. Nice. When they had reached the middle of the forest, the father said, Now, children, pile up some wood and I will light a fire that you may not be cold. Hansel and Gretel gathered brushwood together as high as a little hill. The brushwood was lighted, and when the flames were burning very high, the woman said, Now, children, lay yourselves down by the fire and rest. We will go into the forest and cut some wood. When we have done, we will come back and fetch you away. Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and when noon came, each ate a little piece of bread, and as they heard the strokes of the wood axe, they believed that their father was near, so they can hear an axe nearby. Okay, interesting. It was not, however, the axe. Oh, no. It was a branch which the father had fastened to a withered tree which the wind was blowing backwards and forwards. Oh, like a little device to, to <laughs> yeah. fool them. That'll, that's that'll trick them. <laughs> <laughs> and as they had been sitting such a long time, their eyes shut with fatigue and they fell fast asleep. When at last they awoke, it was already dark. Gretel began to cry and said, How are we to get out of the forest now? But Hansel comforted her and said, Just wait a little until noon has risen, and then we will soon find the way. And when the full moon had risen, Hansel took his little sister by the hand and followed the pebbles which shone like newly silvered pieces and showed them the way. Perfect. They walked the whole night long and by break of day came once more to their father's house. They knocked at the door and when the woman opened it and saw that it was Hansel and Gretel, she said, You naughty children, why have you slept so long in the forest? We thought you were never going to come back at all. The father, however, rejoiced, for it had cut him to the heart to leave them behind alone. So good guy father, bad guy mother. Yeah, I mean, he's still abandoning his kids. Yeah, so he's still, he's like slightly less bad because he feels, he's yeah. got a conscience. I don't want to do it, but... but... My hands are tied, kids. What can you, well, I can't, you know, she makes the rules. <laughs> Not long afterwards, there was once more great scarcity in all parts, so the famine's back. Mm. And the children heard their mother saying at night to their father, Everything is eaten again. We have one half loaf left, and after that there is no more. The children must go. We will take them farther into the woods so that they will not find their way out again. There is no other means of saving ourselves. The man's heart was heavy, and he thought, It would be better for you to share the last mouthful with your children. He thought that he didn't dare say it to her. Because the woman would listen to nothing that he had to say, but scolded and reproached him. He who says A must say B likewise. And as he had yielded the first time, he had to do so a second time also. Was oh, that just a little life lesson just sn snuck in there? Well, it's basically saying, grins. well, he's already agreed to abandon his kids. So if he's done it once, he's got a, he who says A must say B. It's like, be consistent. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to kill your kids, <laughs> do it. Follow through. Do it, yeah. Don't change your mind halfway through. <laughs> no take backs. 
The children were, however, still awake and had heard the conversation again. And when the old folks were asleep, Hansel again got up. He's planning the same thing. He was yep. going to get the pebbles as he'd done before. But the woman had locked the door. <sighs> he couldn't get out. Rats. So it's not going to work again. Oh, no. Nevertheless, he comforted his little sister and said, Do not cry, Gretel. Go to sleep quietly. And the good God will help us. Early in the morning came the woman and took the children out of their beds. Their bit of bread was given to them, but it was still smaller than the time before. On the way into the forest, Hansel crumbled his in his pocket and often stood still and threw a morsel on the ground. Mm. Hansel, why do you stop and look round? said the father. Go on. Uh, I'm looking back at my little pigeon, which is uh, sitting on the roof. He's got a little pigeon now, has he? Got rid of the cat. And wants to say goodbye to me, answered Hansel. Simpleton, said the woman. (laughs) That is not your pigeon. That is the morning sun. Ah, it's the sun again, is it? That is shining on the chimney. (laughs) Hansel, however, little by little, threw all the crumbs on the path, and the woman led the children still deeper into the forest, where they had never in their lives been before. Then a great fire was made, and the mother said, Just sit there, you children, and when you are tired, you may sleep a little. We are going to the forest to cut wood, and in the evening when we are done, we will come and fetch you away. When it was noon, Gretel shared her piece of bread with Hansel, who had scattered his by the way. Then they fell asleep, and evening came and went, but no one came to the poor children. They did not awake until it was dark, and Hansel comforted his sister and said, Just wait, Gretel, until the moon rises, and then we shall see the crumbs of bread which I have strewn about. They will show us our way home again. When the moon came, they set out, but they found no crumbs, for the many thousands of birds which fly about in the woods and fields had picked them all up. Thousands? Yeah, They should eat some of those. (laughs) That's a good point. Or the cat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eat the cat. (laughs) Hansel said to Gretel, We shall soon find the way. But they did not find it. They Uh-oh. walked the whole night and all the next day too. From morning till evening, they did not get out of the forest and were very hungry, for they had nothing to eat but two or three berries, which grew on the ground. And as they were so weary that their legs would carry them no longer, they lay down beneath a tree and fell asleep. This is not looking good. This really isn't. They have no idea where they are, deep in the forest. Starving to death. Starving to death and having a kip. It was now three mornings since they had left their father's house. They began to walk again, but they always got deeper into the forest. They never got near the edge. They just kept going oh, deeper. No. And if help did not soon come, they would die of hunger and weariness. When it was midday, they saw a beautiful snow-white bird sitting on a bough, which sang so delightfully that they stood still and listened to it. And when it had finished its song, it spread its wings and flew away before them. And they followed it until they reached a little house on the roof of which it alighted. And when they came quite up to the little house... They saw that it was built of bread and covered with cakes, but that the windows were of clear sugar. Oh, amazing. We will set to work on that, said Hansel, (laughs) and have a good meal. I will buy a bit of the roof, and you, Gretel, can eat some of the window. It will will taste sweet. He's calling the shots. Yeah, she's like, I don't want that. I want bread. (laughs) No, eat the window. Hansel reached up above and broke off a little bit of the roof to try how it tasted. And Gretel leaned against the window and nibbled at the panes. <laughs> That's di- it's difficult to eat. How do you eat a window? Because it's just a flat surface. You've just got to brush your teeth against it until some comes off. Just got to nibble at the panes. Nibble at the panes. She's just gnawing on a window. <laughs> yeah. But then all of a sudden, a soft voice cried from the room. Nibble, nibble, gnaw. Who is nibbling at my little house? The children answered, The wind, the wind, the heaven-born wind! And went on eating without disturbing themselves. <laughs> I just thought, that's, let's put that matter to bed. 
Hansel, who thought the roof tasted very nice, <laughs> tore, <laughs> tore down a great piece of it, and Gretel pushed out the hole of one round window pane. Oh, that's how you do it. Sat down and enjoyed herself with it. <laughs> so they're just they're just they're just going wild on the house. But suddenly the door opened, and a very very old woman who supported herself on crutches came creeping out. Hansel and Gretel were so terribly frightened that they let fall what they had in their hands. The woman, however, nodded her head and said, Oh, you dear children, who has brought you here? Do come in and stay with me. No harm shall happen to you. She took them both by the hand and led them into her little house. Then good food was set before them. Milk and pancakes with sugar, apples and nuts. Yummy. That's a good meal, that is. Afterwards, two pretty little beds were covered with clean white linen. And Hansel and Gretel lay down in them and thought they were in heaven. Oh, it's just amazing. Perfect. After three days in the forest, this is what you want. The old woman had only pretended to be so kind. Oh, she no. was in reality a wicked witch. No! Who lay in wait for children and had only built the little house of bread in order to entice them there. Wow. When a child fell into her power, she killed it, cooked it and ate it. Oh, so we already know. Okay. And that was a feast day for her. <laughs> Yeah, we know her plan. Yeah, okay, so up front, we know what she's, uh, we know what's cooking. And also, you may not know this, Adam, but witches have red eyes and cannot see far, but they have keen scent like the beasts and are aware when human beings draw near. When Hansel and Gretel came into her neighbourhood, she laughed maliciously and said mockingly, I have them. They shall not escape me again. I didn't know that about witches. They've got red eyes and have really good sense sense of of smell. smell. They can't see very far. No, short-sighted. Long-sighted. No, short-sighted. I never remember that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that, that, that could save your life, that piece of information. Yeah, just get far hmm. and mask your scent. Early in the morning, before the children were awake, she was already up, and when she saw both of them sleeping and looking so pretty with their plump red cheeks, she muttered to herself, mm, That will be a dainty mouthful. Then she seized Hansel with her shriveled hand, carried him into a little stable, and shut him in with a grated door. He might scream as he liked. That was of no use. Then she went back to Gretel, shook her till she awoke and cried, Get up, lazy thing. Fetch some water and cook something good for your little brother. He is in the stable outside and is to be made fat. When he is fat, I will eat him. That's not the best tactic, is it? To give away your plan. What, like the Bond villain? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, no! Well, they're just completely under her power. Yeah. And Gretel, she just starts weeping bitterly again. Yeah, well, you would. But it was all in vain. She was forced to do what the Wicked Witch ordered her. And now the best food was cooked for poor Hansel, but Gretel got nothing but crab shells. Every morning, the woman crept to the little stable and cried, Hansel, stretch out your finger that I may feel if you will soon be fat. Uh, yeah. Is where you put on weight, does it go straight to your fingers? Is that a great barometer of... Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe she didn't go to school. <laughs> not the brightest witch. Not the brightest in the forest. That's what my teacher said to me when I was a kid. <laughs> my parents on parents' evening. He's not the brightest not witch the in brightest. the forest. <laughs> Hansel, however, stretched out a little bone to her, oh, and the old woman who had dim eyes could not see it and thought it was Hansel's finger and was astonished that there was no way of fattening him. When four weeks had gone by and Hansel still stayed thin, she was seized with impatience and would not wait any longer. Now, Gretel, she cried to the girl, be active and bring some water. Let Hansel be fat or lean tomorrow. I will kill him and cook him. So she doesn't care now. She's just going to eat that boy. Yeah. 
Ah, how the poor little sister did lament when she had to fetch the water, and how her tears did flow over her cheeks. Dear God, do help us, she cried. If the wild beasts in the forest had devoured us, at least we should have died together. Just keep your noise to yourself, said the old woman. All that won't help you at all. Shut up, Gretel. Yeah, please. <laughs> Seriously, this is feast day. <laughs> Early in the morning, Gretel had to go out and hang up the cauldron with the water and light the fire. We will bake first, said the old woman. I have already heated the oven and kneaded the dough. So I guess she's going to make a pie out of Hansel or something. Right. Or strudel or something. Okay, but she's boiling water as well. Well, I guess she's going to tenderise him and then maybe and then, put him in the pastry, then in but, the oven. Right. On a low heat for sort of... Yeah. I mean, what's the recipe? Uh, I'd say you need a good three, four hours, actually. Three, four hours mm. on a medium, yeah. low heat. She pushed poor Gretel out to the oven, from which flames of fire were already darting. Creep in, said the witch, and see if it is properly heated so that we can shut the bread in. Once Gretel was inside, she intended to shut the oven and let her bake in it, and then she would eat her too. Okay, using different methods to cook the two children, then. I guess so. You'll have to take it up with her. I don't Hansel's know. Hansel's getting all this special preparation. Gretel's just, just shove her in there. Just shove her in the oven. Yeah, baker. Bake. Well, maybe she's a starter. I don't know. Right, an entree. Yeah, fair enough. But hey, listen. Don't worry, guys. Because Gretel's got a plan. Ooh. Gretel saw what she had in her mind and said, uh, I do not know how I am to do it. Um, how do you get in? Silly goose, said the old woman. <laughs> the door is big enough. Just look, I can get in myself. And she crept up and thrust her head into the oven. Then Gretel gave her a push that drove her far into it yes. and shut the iron door and fastened the bolt. Nice one, Gretel. Oh, then she began to howl quite horribly. But Gretel ran away and the godless witch was miserably burnt to death. Oh... <laughs> Gretel, however, ran like lightning to Hansel, opened his little stable, and cried, Hansel, we are saved! The old witch is dead! Then Hansel sprang out like a bird from its cage when the door is opened is for it. Is he not fat from all the food? <laughs> How they did rejoice and embrace each other, and dance about and kiss each other. And as they had no longer any need to fear her, they went into the witch's house, and in every corner there stood chests full of pearls and jewels. These are far better than pebbles, cried Hansel. True. Good joke from Hansel. <laughs> Call back, yeah. Fit James Bond as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These <are> better than Pebble. <laughs> Gretel laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Politely. Mr. Cool over here. He's yeah, playing it check cool. him out. And he thrust into his pockets whatever could be got in. And Gretel said, I too will take something home with me, and filled her pinafore full. But now we will go away, said Hansel, that we may get out of the witch's forest. When they had walked for two hours, they came to a great body of water. Oh, we cannot get over, said Hansel. I see no foot plank and no bridge. Oh, and no boat crosses either, answered Gretel. But a white duck is swimming there. If I ask her, she will help us over. And she cried, Little duck, little duck, do you see? Hansel and Gretel are waiting for you. There's never a plank or bridge in sight. Take us across on your back so white. Okay. The duck came to them, and Hansel seated himself on its back and told his sister to sit by him. No, replied Gretel. <laughs> That will be too heavy for the little duck. She shall take us across one after the other. The good little duck did so, and when they were safely across and had walked for a short time, the forest seemed to be more and more familiar to them, and at length they saw from afar their father's house. Then they began to run, rushed into the parlour, and threw themselves into their father's arms. The man had not known one happy hour since he had left the children in the forest. Oh. The woman, however, was dead. 
Oh. The nasty stepmother, she's, she's, she's dead. She's dead? She's dead. She's gone. Gretel emptied her pinafore until pearls and precious stones ran about the room, and Hansel threw one handful after another out of his pocket to add to them. Then all anxiety was at an end, and they lived together in perfect happiness. My tale is done. See the mouse run. Whoever catches it may make himself a big fur cap out of it. The end. <laughs> Process that I mean, story. there's a lot to unpack there. When do you think the last time you heard Hansel and Gretel was? Or do you think you've just sort of picked up images of it and I the story? I think I've picked up bits and pieces over time. I know for a fact that we had a book of it in our house, and I think it was a sort of a ladybird oh, really? book of it. I have a strong memory of my little sister reading it once and crying because she got really scared. Seriously? Yeah. So I knew a lot of it. I mean, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Certain things I did not remember. The duck. Don't know what was going on. It's a big old duck. <laughs> the duck at the end who's carrying them across. Like Massive a, duck. Like a pedalo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's a very... Yeah. Out of all the ones we've done so far, I think it'd be the, by far the one that's familiar to most people. We've done Rumpelstiltskin, which is one of the most famous fairy tales yeah. of all time. However... I think Hansel and Gretel, there's something really vivid about it in your mind. Yeah. You can really picture that yeah. house made of sweets and cakes and the gnarly trees Absolutely. all around it. And shoving the witch into the oven. Yeah, yeah. the like roaring fire in yeah. the oven. Every, everyone knows that. You know? It just stands out, doesn't it? it yeah, definitely. It's, kind of, it's iconic. With that in mind, with the u- ubiquity of this story, when you've actually heard the actual official story right now, what does anything stand out for you that perhaps... I suppose it's one at the end. Well, but, the duck... The duck. It's yeah, not sorry. even a swan. It's not a swan, is it? It's, it's not even a swan. It, I mean, <laughs> it's a duck. <laughs> How big is this duck? Um, what else stands out? Mm. I forgot about the pebbles. So they had a good run yeah. where it worked. I yeah. totally forgot about that. Cat and the pigeon. <laughs> I didn't remember that. What are you looking back at? Yeah. Uh, my cat. Yeah, no, that was weird. The device that the dad fashions to fool them into thinking he's chopping wood when he's back home. I'm just going to fashion this very clever device. But what's particularly odd about that is that was not in the first version of this story. The so that is something added they've that. added. Presumably they've added it to make it seem like the father cares. But to me, it actually makes it more disturbing. It's like yeah. he's really deceiving and tricking them yeah, to no, make sure that, they stay Definitely, there. that's a... Mark against him, not... Yeah, I suppose. The whole point is that the father's meant to not actually be that bad. But they've made him do this really, like, very deceitful thing. It's not like he's just gone along with it. He's, like, put a lot of effort in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's some pretty shocking behaviour in this tale. We had cannibalism for the first time in The Robber Bridegroom. And now this is perhaps the most famous version of cannibalism. There's a witch trying to eat Small children. Yes, (laughs) a witch trying to eat children. It's got the classic pot of water over a fire mm-hmm. that you yeah. associate with cannibalism. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I, we're still unclear how that factors into the... Um, 
the meal. The recipe. <laughs> the recipe. Because <laughs> she's got a big oven and she was going to bake Gretel yeah. from scratch. So, uh, so I mean, we talk quite a lot about cannibalism in the Robert Bridegroom and like... Mm-hmm. This bizarre fascination with like eating and being eaten as well. There's this sort of kind of odd relationship going on there, and what that part means to children as well who are listening to these. Are, it's like sort of mining their deepest, darkest fears, mm-hmm. maybe because you know fairy tales talk about murder and cannibalism and death, everything. All these really, really dark, mm-hmm. bizarre, taboo things. Yeah. It, it deals with them in quite a quite an accessible way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's still it's awful. But it's not like watching an 18 horror movie where no. you literally could not have a kid watching that. It would be yeah. traumatised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it struck me when I read this that it's it's a slightly different... It feels a little different to the other ones. Yeah, I know what you mean. That we've had so far. No, I know what you mean. It feels, especially the last third of the story, mm. like an out-and-out thriller. The heroes get away in the nick of time by tricking the, the villain into the oven <laughs> and <laughs> fleeing the house. The scary house. Yeah, so and, and all that actually happens quite quickly. Like most yeah. of the story is taken up with it's just all build up. getting them lost in the woods. Yeah. The finding the house, the eating the house, the being eaten, defeating the witch is all very quickly yeah. over and done with. And that's the sort of that's the most vivid part of the story. Sure. Which is quite interesting. Yeah. Perhaps what makes it quite hard to talk about this story is that it's Nothing is particularly clearly defined. Mm-hmm. It's all quite ambiguous and there's lots of strange things going on, which leaves the door wide open to all sorts of analyses. And uh, Adam, I found a few theories that I want to run past you Ooh. and see what you think. Okay. You were so uh, deeply unimpressed by the sexual interpretation of Rumpelstiltskin that I'm very curious to see <laughs> what you think about these Are these, these along a similar vein? or? Well, we shall see. Okay, go on. I've I'm, I'm got a healthy scepticism, but I'm an open mind. You can look at this from a Marxist perspective. Okay. Hansel and Gretel is about the oppressed throwing off the shackles of their oppressor and seizing the wealth, the wealth of the nation. So Hansel and Gretel are the... Proletariat. Yes. Right. And the witch is represents the feudal system okay. or capitalist system. Yeah. Take your pick. And she's clearly engaged in some hardcore accumulation. She's got all the wealth, all the food, everything. Yeah. So she has exuberant wealth while the people starve. Uh, and in fact, she forces them to work for her while they're starving. Profiting off their labor. The father is a woodcutter, which was apparently one of the lowliest, like, poorest professions when this was written. So he's clearly represents the underclasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hansel and Gretel represent the pure, oppressed proletariat who defeat the evil bourgeoisie. And, and there's nothing more bourgeois <laughs> than a house made of food. <laughs> <laughs> Let them eat cake. <laughs> Do you know what? Quite like that. It's interesting, isn't it's it? It's not bad. It's all those points it's sort of picking on sort mm. of add up to me. They make sense. Because interestingly, what draws them in is mm-hmm. the house made of food. Because obviously the big thing for them is they're not eating. Yeah. But actually what they end up taking away from the house and taking back to the family, uh-huh. uh, like pearls and like riches, not pockets full of bread and like sugar pane windows or whatever. Nuts. Nuts and apples and pancakes or whatever mm. it was. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's material it's riches, wealth. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, definitely. I th- well, I think Adam's taken to this theory. Yeah, I like it. Mark, that's Marxism for you. Next up. Okay. Freudian psychoanalytical interpretations of Hansel and Gretel. Okay. So, mm. <laughs> it's already... <laughs> oh, I wish yeah. you could see his face. <laughs> the brow is furrowed. Mm. 
I picked up a copy of a book uh, recently called The Uses of Enchantment, which is a seminal work by the Austrian-born American psychoanalyst Bruno Bettelheim. He attempts to claim that fairy tales promote healthy child development. It helps them deal with their emotions and anxieties about the world and the difficulty of growing up. And the book goes quite deep into psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to outline a few of the sort of accessible, easily understandable sure. elements. So this is a really interesting take. Ultimately, Hans and Gretel is about growing up. It's a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. They're utterly dependent on their parents at the start. And they learn to make their own way in the world by facing their fears. Take right. Gretel. Gretel goes from, you know, being a bit whiny and needy and dependent <laughs> to learning to plan and to take action she becomes brave intelligent yeah. and works out a plan to save them takes action kills the witch yeah, she's she's the one that saves them and yeah. when they run away from the witch's house they're going to try and cross the river mm-hmm. bruno says is a big symbolic thing they've crossed the river to a new way of life but they have to go separately they both just want to jump on this uh, the duck right. but gretel says no Wait, we have to go one at a time because it's too, we're too heavy. Yeah. That symbolizes the journey to a new state of independence. So it's a coming of age story. Uh, Bruno says, see, see what you think about this, Adam. The cake house represents the mother. It's a symbol of the mother nursing them. They're feeding off it. Yeah. But conversely, they're also destroying that shelter by being utterly dependent. You need to break away from it. Uh, and it says, while they're doing that in the story, it says they thought they were in heaven. And he, he refers to this as regressing to an infant state of bliss when you're just nursing with your yeah. mother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... He's not feeling this. I'm not. No. I'm not sure about this one. Also, this is an interesting point. See if you buy this. Here he says, and other people have said, um, what's actually happening is that the parents' home and the witch's home are just two aspects of one experience. It's like a mirror. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the deep, dark woods is like what happens in the deepest part of your subconscious. They're processing feelings of anxiety and growing pains. The idea is the witch dies, and when they go home, the stepmother has died. So the, the witch represents the stepmother, represents the mother. Another interesting point is that birds guide all the action in this story. So, first of all, I mean, he talks about a pigeon on the roof. But then, more importantly, um, pigeons come and eat the crumbs, so they can't find their way home. A snow-white bird leads them to the witch's house. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then they leave on the back of the duck. This is the path you have to take. The Mm -hmm. birds lead them on this path. And the idea is that you're meant to go on this journey. You're meant to go through this difficulty to grow, to come out the other side. Yeah. And, you know, the dove in Christianity represents the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, a benevolent, all-encompassing power. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's, about, it's okay. about the rite of passage and uh, growing up. What do you think? I don't buy it. <laughs> I ain't buying that. I don't buy it. No, it's interesting about the birds. I'd not picked up on that. That was an, uh, that was an interesting bit of symbolism. I hadn't noticed that either. But the whole stuff about the house is the mum and they're eating the mum, <laughs> but they're going back to a, a fetus or something. It's no. No, thank you. I'm not into all that. <laughs> but if you don't like that stuff, well, then... Oh, boy. And if you somehow thought Hansel and Gretel avoided a sexual interpretation, then you were gravely mistaken, my oh, friend. Oh, man. Okay. Go on. So some have suggested okay. that when 
Hansel is imprisoned and being fattened up, the witch feeling his finger might be doing something else. Because, hear me out, hear me out. Um... As you yourself pointed out, if you want to check if someone's getting fat, the last thing you do is touch their finger. Because you do not put weight on the finger. Fingers don't fatten, my friend. No. That perhaps is symbolic of something else. (laughs) Why? Listen, I'm not a trained psychoanalyst. (laughs) You might have you might have noticed that, but I think it's there's a side of you you know you know yeah. that from Freud. I know about yeah. So it's yeah, about Oedipus. again dealing Oedipus. with that. It's about processing those feelings and thoughts. That's the idea. I mean, don't even think about that. Right, moving on. Another thing I noticed. He's obviously not feeling that. If you think about this from a different perspective, the kids are actually behaving quite badly. They do things that you wouldn't want your kids to do. First of all, they they eavesdrop on their parents. They disobey their parents. They vandalize, uh, steal property, and they murder. They're just absolute yobs. <laughs> they're out of control. What they're actually doing is breaking the law. <laughs> Call the police. Again, Adam's The not kids are looking. eating my house again. The kids are eating... Oh, not the sugar window. What are you doing with that pain? Oh. Uh, all right. There you go. There's some interpretations okay. for you. I feel like you enjoyed the Marxist I one. I like the Marxist one because it didn't contain any of that weird stuff. <laughs> As we've discovered previously, Brothers Grimm made lots of changes to their fairy tales as they went along, right? Yes. Hansel and Gretel is no different. So the idea, just to catch you up again, as I say every time, the Brothers Grimm going around Germany and hearing the stories that the people tell each other, Mm -hmm. which is distinguished from other fairy tales, which are literary fairy tales like Hans Christian Andersen, Mm -hmm. who wrote that he wrote The Little Mermaid himself. Yeah. However, it gets a little bit murky because perhaps he heard similar tales when he was growing up. So even sure. though he wrote it, it's a little... But anyway, yeah. the idea is that these are of the people and the Brothers Grimm are recording them. Uh-huh. From the first publication in 1812 until the completed final seventh version in 1857 of the Grimm's fairy tales, they changed this story quite a lot. So first of all, when they collected Hansel and Gretel, the children were just called Little Brother and Little Sister. Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm chose the names Hansel and Gretel for the first publication. They just made it up. Oh, wow. Which is basically like John and Jane. It's just common Common names. Exactly. The duck part crossing the river was literally just completely added by the Brothers Grimm. (laughs) Why would you just throw that in? We can only imagine what on earth was going on in their heads. (laughs) I've got an idea, Jacob. (laughs) Why don't we have a duck? (laughs) But it can't carry them both. I love it. Uh, he looks at his brother. He's uh, like, "Oh, sure, sure, well, Jacob. Whatever you say." It's complete. No idea why they added that. Uh, the biggest changes concern the parents. So, in the first 1812 edition of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, it was not the stepmother; it was the children's actual mother who right. was trying to get rid of them. And not only was it the actual mother; it was both parents wanted to abandon the kids. Oh, there was no good cop. Just back up, back up. Just back up, back up. <laughs> so they changed it to a stepmother to make it more palatable. Right. Uh, and, and basically made the woman the bad person. Yes. <laughs> so obviously keeping on that old trope. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, we didn't analyse the, the... There's lots of different roles for women in Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Uh, talking about Gretel's journey from... Yeah. Poor little Gretel, who Hansel's <laughs> got to take care of, 
to literally the one who saves the day. And the witch wants to eat them. It's another yeah, female true. character. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. Uh, a couple of other things they added were, uh, of course, the religious stuff. So in moments of peril in the story, they're always referring to God with lines like, you know, God will save us, Gretel, or whatever. That's, that's an indelible stamp of the Brothers yeah. Grimm. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the changes they made. So they made so this story has changed loads, sure, particularly yeah. the role of the parents. Yeah. So where did Hansel and Gretel come from? Hansel and Gretel belongs to a group of tales prevalent in the Baltic region of Europe about children who outwit witches or ogres uh, into whose hands they have involuntarily fallen. Right. These stories are categorised as Arne Thompson Uther type 327, The Children and the Ogre. Oh, she's an ogre. Well, Hansel and Gretel is under 327 variation A, The Children with the Witch, because it's a witch, not an ogre. It's been speculated that this tale type originated during the Great Famine of 1315 to 1317, which came on the back of a population boom in Europe. Mm -hmm. And I think a few successive crop failures from bad weather led to basically millions of deaths across Europe. And apparently there are documented reports of cannibalism and infanticide during this period. The Black Death occurred scarcely 40 years after that in 1347, which wiped out 30 to 60% of Europe's mm-hmm. population. Mad. So the idea is that in this really dark time in Europe's yeah. past, particularly in Northern Europe, that this, this tale type emerged. Okay. The story was made, Hansel and Gretel was made into an opera in 1893 by Engelbert Humperdinck, which helped popularise and spread this story. I think it was his sister was telling the story to her kids and she started to write music about it and mm-hmm. approached him as an idea for an opera. And it's, uh, yeah, it just, it became extremely famous. It's still shown now. Funny story. That is on at the Royal Albert Hall over Christmas. Uh, literally the other day, I looked for tickets for it and it's all sold out. No way. Engelbert Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel. Well, Adam, I happen to know that Hansel and Gretel was first performed in England, in London... On the 26th of December, 1894, at Daly's Theatre, just off Leicester Square. Daly's Theatre on Boxing Day. Beautiful. Lovely. And now it's back this Christmas. So it's a Christmas kind of opera. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why it's there. I know. It's a shame you're not going to be able to go, but would you like to hear a little blast of what it sounds like? There are no tickets. I can't go. So this is the next best thing. Let's do it. The sun's rising, the birds are chirping. <laughs> the witch is eating human children. There's a little blast Lovely. of uh, the opera, Engelbert Humperdinck's opera. Operatic Hansel and Gretel. That's how I like my Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Operatic. Operatic. <laughs> I'm going to eat you, no you won't. <laughs> oh my god, Adam, I've done so much research on Hansel and Gretel. I've got more little tidbits for you. Oh. I think you're going to like this one, though. I think this might help uh, bump up the score for you, possibly. Oh, wow. Uh, Hansel and Gretel appeared in a 2011 Supreme Court ruling in America. No way. The state of California uh, tried to criminalise the sale of violent video games to minors 
But it was overturned by 7-2, to two, the vote by the Supreme yeah, Court Justice. Yeah, because they brought up Hansel and Gretel. Justice Antin Scalia said, California's argument would fare better if there was a long-standing tradition in this country of specially restricting children's access to depictions of violence, but there is none. Certainly the books we give children to read, or read to them when they're younger, contain no shortage of gore. Grimm's fairy tales, for example, yeah. are grim indeed. Hansel and Gretel, children, kill their captor by baking her in an oven. So Good point, Scalia. Scalia used Hansel and Gretel to defeat the state of California. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Abandoned in the woods. So similar tales with similar motifs to Hansel and Gretel. One Mm. motif in Hansel and Gretel is being abandoned in the woods. Sure. The story Nenillo e Nenella by Giambattista Basile in his book Il Pentamarone from 1634 Mm -hmm. starts very, very similarly to Hansel and Gretel. We've met Jam before. We have. With the myrtle. Oh, yes. Which I think it's one of our favourites. Oh, yeah. He's got a way with words. <laughs> so this was some 200 years before the Brothers Grimm. Uh, basically, cruel stepmother demands that Nanillo and Nanella, who are brother and sister, be kicked out and go into the woods to die, to starve, because they don't mm. have enough food. The father secretly leaves a trail of oats, but unfortunately, they were eaten by an ass or a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Then it kind of diverges from Hansel and Gretel because the girl, the Gretel character, is abducted by pirates and eventually swallowed by a giant fish. And <laughs> eventually eventually they're rescued. She's like singing out of the mouth of the fish and they notice who it is. <laughs> the end. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty mental. <laughs> Absolutely mental. Help me. Hello. <laughs> you say she was singing, right? Yeah, yeah, she was singing. Oh, she was singing, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Jam, Jam Basile, as I'm calling him, <laughs> yeah. he really doesn't like stepmothers. The opening line of Nanillo and Nanella is, Woe to him who thinks to find a governess for his child by giving them a stepmother. He only brings into his house the cause of their ruin. There never yet was a stepmother who looked kindly on the children of another, or if by chance such a one were ever found, she would be regarded as a miracle. That's the oh, opening line. Blimey. <laughs> The story is just a vehicle for him to get that off his chest. <laughs> one last, one last motif that's okay. uh, got some interesting uh, relations to other stories is the bizarre part where Hansel keeps looking back at the house. Yeah. So Hansel keeps looking back at his little cat or whatever, looking back when you shouldn't or forbidden. Mm-hmm. It's quite common in the uh, Bible. Yes. Yeah. Do you know this story? Lot's wife. Mate. Shouldn't look back at Sodom. Uh, she does, and she instantly gets turned into a pillar of salt. I had never heard You've of that never story heard of the before. Story. It's no. very famous. Really? Yeah. I don't really know why. Because it's Sodom and Gomorrah, isn't it? And they're supposed yeah. to be ultimately like the most sinful, hedonistic... Yeah, the ba- worst city the ever. worst, yeah. And, and his wife turns back to look at it. But he doesn't. They're like, get out. Like angels, I think angels I like... I think so. Just Extract them. And don't They've got an <laughs> exfiltration plan. <laughs> Go, 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 go! (laughs) 
Whatever you do, don't look back. <laughs> no. No, she's sold. Not another one. <laughs> leave it behind. No, we're bringing it. No, leave. <laughs> I can't pick it up. <laughs> Tastes so good. Stop eating it. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's really weird, isn't it? More, well, at least I thought more famously was the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing oh, that Eurydice's right. Eurydice or something like that? Yeah, let's say that. Eurydice's. <laughs> but I don't know the story that well. What's this one? I will sum it up for you quickly. Uh, it's an, um, I love this. Orpheus and Eurydice are lovers. Uh, they're having an amazing time. They just love being together. Eurydice, she's bitten by a snake and dies. Oh, no. And Orpheus, he's an expert liar player. He's really good on mm-hmm. the liar. Uh, he's so heartbroken that he travels to the underworld to find her. Uh, but basically, he gets to Hades, the god of the underworld, and he plays his liar to Hades, who's so moved mm-hmm. that he agrees that Orpheus can take Eurydice's back to the world of living on one condition. Okay. While they're walking out, she'll follow behind him. She- if he turns to look at her... He'll lose her forever. But if he just keeps looking forward and gets out, wow. she'll be with him. And he starts walking. He's like, this is easy. He's like, sure, of course. He agrees to it. He starts walking. And as he's getting closer and closer, the walking towards the light, the doubt starts to creep in. Oh, he can't no. hear her because yeah. I, don't, I don't think she's got a full form yet. Yeah. And he thinks, well, there's no footsteps behind me. And as he's going, he thinks, well, I'm just being tricked by the gods. And he just, yeah. he can't bear it. It's torture. And he turns around right as he's about to leave oh, at the end no. a few paces he turns sees her she's whisked back off to Hades oh, no. and the underworld amazing isn't that an amazing story that is an amazing story and tragic and terrible yeah, it's heartbreaking it really is because you can understand <laughs> you can totally understand yeah. the doubt so that's just a few of the uh, motifs that are found in other stories and that's just I mean that's just the tip of the iceberg but ultimately Nothing comes of Hansel looking back. He just goes, oh, I was looking at the cat. Oh, this time I was looking at a pigeon. My pigeon. There you go. Wow. Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. What a story. I mean, it's a classic. It's it's a bona fide classic. A lot of the stories we read, we've never heard of, and mm-hmm. I feel like no one's ever heard of, and yeah. it's quite hard to find some information about them. Hansel and Gretel, I was just wading through a sea of stuff. So that's just a few little bits I've taken and presented to you. And how has that affected your feelings on the story? What score would you give Hansel and Gretel? This is a tough one. Right off the bat, it's going to be high. It's just, it's iconic. Mm. And it features kids burning alive a witch, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and the little finishes of, like, magical ducks and things <laughs> is quite good. I love that we've gone so deep into the analysis. <laughs> and you're right, at the end of the day... At the end of the day, kids they're burn a, witch. a witch in the oven. Don't pretty overcomplicate cool. it. It's, got, it's a, Keep it's it a simple. made of sweets. Although I'm pretty sure it said the walls were made of bread and not gingerbread. So people talk about a gingerbread house. It does just say bread. Yes, that's an interesting point. It doesn't say gingerbread. Yeah. However, gingerbread houses are a very common old tradition in Germany. Mm. And it's not actually clear... What came first, the gingerbread house or the Hansel and Gretel? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's not clear if this story influenced it or the other Uh, way around. Gingerbread men 
apparently Queen Elizabeth of England liked to make little gingerbread figures of people in her court. She apparently liked to make little gingerbread men of people in court because it was quite funny. And I think that's where gingerbread men came really? from. Really? She invented the gingerbread man? You thought she defeated the Spanish Armada. I thought that was, was her, her highlight. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the beginning. She invented the she gingerbread man. She went on to invent the gingerbread man. And then one day there was a marriage between the gingerbread house and the gingerbread man. <sighs> And Perfect. All was well. All was well in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's quite iconic thinking of the gingerbread house, although it's not a gingerbread house, but I can just imagine the colourful window. If you've ever like melted boiled sweets and you've got that sort of semi transparent sugary oh, window. Wow. It's, oh I'm, I'm imagining it now. Matt's ready to gnaw a window oh. right now. Um, it's just a great story. So I think my school. Here it comes. Oh, so, uh, what's it going to be? He doesn't know what it's going to be. I have no idea. It's going to be 8.5. Okay, 8.5. That's pretty solid. Yeah, it's a solidly high score. Nice. What, what could it have done to get more from you? Uh, there were just some loose threads that could have been tied up All satisfyingly. Right. What's the cauldron for? <laughs> <laughs> it drops right. points there. But it's, a, it's just a great story. So, Matt, um, that is my score. What is your score? It's been difficult. I've been weighing this up. Mm-hmm. I think you, you really summed it up. Some kids burn a witch to death in an yeah. oven and in a like gingerbread house. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, yeah. And so vivid in my head. And Absolutely. It's, it's so intense. The parents abandoning them and then the danger that they're in. And I like the fact it's a little brother and sister who are like going together through the this. teamwork thing. Yeah, I do like that. And there's something about that moment of Gretel pushing the witch because she's engineered this situation, mm-hmm. but she has to do that final thing. She has to physically do something. It's not like just it trickery. Yeah. She has to like make a leap. Because yeah. if that had backfired, she'd be dead. Yeah, that's quite an amazing lesson. It's oh, like it you is. have to take a leap. Sometimes you have, you have to, to yeah pass the point of no return. So we said before, I want to start letting fly the big the big boys, the big schools. Always oh, letting out the. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a nine point five. Holy moly! <laughs> so that's a nine point five and an eight point five. That's got to be the highest one yet. That's an eighteen. Pretty high. What a way to start 2019. Amazing. Strong start. It's all downhill from here, guys. <laughs> So, it's competition time. As mentioned at the start of the podcast, we've got a competition for you. We do. We do, indeed. Very exciting. Uh, And this is courtesy of the wonderful people at Pook Press. Yes, Pook Press. They are a publishing company. They make beautifully illustrated books bringing magic and wonder to book lovers of all ages. Yes. Uh, basically, they, they produce really nice uh, copies of lots of fairy tales, but other stories like The Jungle Book and just classic stories. And they have given us a book to give to one of our listeners. Exactly. It's very kind of them, the wonderful people at Pook Press. What book have they given us, Adam? They have given us, fittingly, I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> the story of Hansel and Gretel and other tales by the Brothers Grimm, illustrated by Arthur Rackham. 
And it is a beautiful book. It's a beautiful copy. And Arthur Rackham is a legendary Golden Age illustrator who does these just gorgeous, really rich illustrations of fairy tales. And his ones of the Brothers Grimm are really famous and really beautiful. So we're really oh, that's excited. That's great. That's really cool. Can't wait to give that away. Yes. That could be yours. That could be yours. For free. For free. For free. We're not even asking for We're money. We're not even asking for money. This is a surprise. This is a giveaway, literally. Imagine that. A giveaway. But uh, Adam, uh, how, would I, how would I win said copy? Good question, Matt. Thanks for asking. You can do that simply by answering the following question. It's that easy. Oh, mate. And the question is, what's been your favourite story that we've read so far? And Why? You're telling me it's that easy. I can win it's my that own easy. copy. You answer that question, and you could be in with a chance of winning that wonderful book. So you can you can respond to this question uh, any way you want. You've got our email address uh, via Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Leave us a comment there, or send us a message. Any wh- however's easiest for you. Mm-hmm. You can write as much or as little as you want. I mean, I love them all. It's so hard to choose. How could I possibly choose? Well, you've got to dig deep. Does it remind you of your childhood? Uh, did it make you laugh? Did it make you think? Do you have a new perspective now that you know the story? Uh, is it your child's favourite? Did you nearly crash the car just through sheer entertainment value? Uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. You're going to win if do, you do, do you have that. an anecdote of that? <laughs> the, whatever the reason is, yeah. For that being your favourite, just let us know and we will pick a winner and the winner will be going home. Well, not going home. It will arrive to their home (laughs) via some kind of postal or courier service uh, and you'll be in possession of this lovely book. Fantastic. It's that simple. Mate. You know, you don't have to write an essay. You can if you want. You can just write a short It could be a sentence. It could be a paragraph. It can be an essay. Whatever you want. And also we don't, you know, if you don't want us to read it out, Say in the message that won't affect your chances sure. of winning, but we'd love to if, be able yeah. to read out any uh, shared stories from our listeners. Exactly, because we were just a little community, all inclusive. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That's lovely. It's a lovely message for this time of year. So we will be running this until I think we're we're going to uh, close it on the seventeenth of February. That's the idea. So that should be long enough for everybody to get, have a chance to hear this episode, catch up, think of yeah. think about it, write up their uh, their yeah. response. Get it um, into us. We'll be promoting it on social media. So, yeah, you can comment on any post we put or just direct message us or whatever. Uh, and our email address is Grim. What is it? I forgot. So, the email address is grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. But, yeah, we're really excited and we uh, really want to extend our thanks to Pook Press. Uh, they're an amazing company. So, look them up. They produce beautiful books. Thank you so much to the wonderful people at Pretty Press. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year. Hope you've had a wonderful festive uh, period. And we will be back with... With the Queen Bee. Oh, yeah. And we've got lots of exciting things we're hoping to get done this year. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome. And, you know, if this is the only episode you listen to and you're listening to it because you want to win a free book, you know, that's cool. That's cool. We're, we understand. But your email better be bloody good. Yeah. Yes. True. <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you next time. Yes, see you then. See you later. Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.